Hello everyone and thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, all the same, it is greatly appreciated and thank you as always for your constant, constant support. Now this week I've kind of been in a bit of limbo waiting for Barbie and Oppenheimer or infamously known as Barbenheimer to drop and so I've just kind of been revisiting some old films and one particular that I stumbled upon First time viewing in a long time was Logan from 2017, directed by James Mangold. Logan was set to do something that we as fans didn't really want to ever see, which was bring a final out in for the iconic Wolverine on the big screen, obviously portrayed by Hugh Jackman. Granted, I know that we're getting another appearance for Deadpool 3, but Hugh Jackman had been knocking it out of the park for 17 years when Logan dropped in 2017, and so it seemed perfect for him, like the perfect time to go out with a bang and what a bang Logan was like re-watching this I loved it so much more really and again you know there's, no, there's two versions of the film that's out there there's the standard you know in colour we should say and then the Logan Noir version both of which are absolutely incredible and one of my favourite releases from James Mangold obviously I know we've famously spoke about him on the Indiana Jones podcast but I think even in that one when we were doing the indie podcast that um, I was saying how much I really liked Logan and so yeah, it just felt nice just to go back and check this film out again and, and again, fall in love with it all over. And I do, there, there's a thing about with the whole Wolverine character that I do feel that Fox, you know, seemed to just churn out Wolverine film after Wolverine film, and most of which were pretty disappointing, and in some cases, absolute outright trash. And that's, of course, referring to X Men Origins. There can be no denying, though, that Hugh Jackman is. Wolverine. Even when the story and script was so underwhelming, you couldn't take anything away from his performance as that character. He has brought so, so many iconic and memorable moments as the character. You know, he's embodied the character so well that I truly cannot see any other actor playing the role, you know, or at least doing a better job than Jackman did. It will happen one day, of course, and the role will be recast, but Jackman will forever be immortalised as this character who's so bloody good as Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. And I previously did do a podcast uh, on the best superhero films way back in 2021 when the podcast was first on its feet, really. And I listed the top five uh, of what I felt were the best superhero films. And sadly, Logan didn't it didn't make that cut. Uh, it missed out of the top five. But I would absolutely put this down in the top ten superhero films. In fairness, retrospectively, I, I could see Logan overtaking some more of them. I think... You know, the, the list itself, going back to that just, just quickly from 2021, like the, the, the main ones are in there. I would say Stand By The Dark Knight being the best superhero film that's out there, even still, obviously, with Spider-Man 2 close behind it. But the rest, you know, you can just pad them out, really. It was more of like a clickbaity podcast, if I'm being honest. And again, it was more so my opinions at that time. But I, I could probably see, like, Logan maybe squeezing in the top five now. And that's, again, just on a retrospective, uh, retrospective front. But I, I've always really loved this film um and i'm very much excited to go over it more so uh, in this podcast but like for me the best thing about logan as a whole is that it doesn't feel like a superhero film logan is essentially just a western that again doesn't follow the same narrative of your classic and typical westerns but in a way it, it does break the mold of the western genre while still being clear that it does fit within that if in any way that makes sense <laughs> as opposed to other classic westerns logan isn't built around 
the lead character fighting for himself or for any better life or future. It's built around Logan fighting for others, something that we as fans have seen him do throughout his entire cinematic run. And I think Mangold and co did a marvellous job of having the roles flipped, you know, of Logan taking care of Xavier, almost like coming full circle for both of those characters, seeing as it was Xavier who saved Logan pretty much and gave him the new life that he needed following the horrific past and creation of his. This only pushes again Logan to continue that care as he then faces new challenges as we see throughout the film with the young girl Laura, whose circumstances and situation, you know, it's extremely similar to that of Logan's. And that's what we're going to be waffling about on this podcast. And I really do appreciate, as always, you guys checking out the podcast, supporting it. You can do so, obviously, by hitting the notification button on Apple, Spotify, Google. Please do as well. Leave a review. That would be absolutely tremendous. Uh, share away, of course, and jump onto the socials. Search your blogs about films into Instagram and Facebook to find the social pages, followers, followers and likers on there. That too would be tip top. Tip top, who am I? Set in 2029, Logan is now an old soak whose mutant abilities are in the decline and who makes a living as a chauffeur, boozing to ease the pain and keeping a low profile in a desert hideout alongside his even older friend, Charles Xavier. But trouble finds him in the form of a mutant hunted mercenary squad known as the Reavers who are searching for a young girl named Laura with a very familiar power set now the film let's be frank it goes on such such an emotional roller coaster this is with spoilers by the way if you hadn't already guessed this revisit will include spoilers so that's your only warning but throughout like i say though it is a superhero film it doesn't go big in any of the set pieces or feel comic booky it has this grounded and mature tone which to be honest it is quite dark really and it's a real sense of bleakness throughout the entire plot whether that be logan himself just being older and sick or xavier's health or the fact that no mutants are really about anymore or just the way of the world in general you know the film still even in spite of that does sprinkle these pockets of hope and lightness that stand out, you know, in contrast to the tone of the film. These moments can be anything as simple as just storytelling. You know, there's a great sequence, you know, when Xavier's talking about the school for the gifted at the dinner table in towards the middle of the middle half of the film. Um, and it just allows the viewer to have a breather. That these moments, they're so refreshing and, and like warm. There's, there's a intensity and vulnerability throughout this entire film, but these light moments, it does bring that smile, like it bring a smile to your face, sorry, during the overall darkness of the film. And then, like I said, these lighter moments, they just go a long way in contrast. The film takes visual, tonal and thematic inspiration from classic Western and noir cinema with director James Mangold having stated that Logan's influences include visual reference points of cinema. He goes on to say that examples such as 1953's Shane, 1972's The Cowboys, Paper Moon, The Gauntlet, Unforgiven, Little Miss Sunshine, obviously from 2006, and The Wrestler from 2008 as an inspiration to Logan. And in addition to this, Mangold was also inspired by the Dark Knight trilogy, saying that it seemed to me that the only films of this ilk that did interest me, that I did admire, or to use Chris Nola's movies as an example, are the ones that have really moved me beyond just the spectacle. There was a very clear decision to apply a film genre to that material, if that makes any sense, he goes on saying that the film takes tropes and themes of that cyberpunk theme, with focus put on automation affecting the world of a near future. And that's the thing, one thing I love 
about the film is, like I said, the world, the setting, like what we get from this film and the wonderful scenery and locations that the film is set in. There's a lot of travelling involved, obviously, from Logan trying to get Laura and Xavier to safety. And in doing so, we have some wonderful sweeping or tracking or even establishing shots of some really grand locations. And with having the film primarily set in the desert or country outbacks or wherever, it again leans into that Western vibe that the film has. And it also allows the audience to see what has become of the world in these years that have passed since we last saw Logan and the X-Men and just seeing how technology has progressed in these years, not relying as much on humans and again leaning to more of that advanced tech that we see in day-to-day life. But with these journey sequences, amongst all of that and having Logan obviously driving them, it also brings in some really great conversations and discussions. At first, this is mainly with Xavier, as Laura doesn't speak much within the film in the first half of the film anyways, at least. But once we get into the second half of the film and the focus is then shifted on Laura getting to Eden, which is obviously the mutant sanctuary, she does open up and we start to see that surrogate father and daughter relationship blossom and bloom. And as we see within the film, the genes from Logan have been used on Laura, which ultimately does make her his daughter, whether he likes that or not. And I truly enjoy watching Jackman's Logan, you know, process all of this. On top of the already demanding role that he's playing in keeping Charles alive, essentially his carer, and keeping him safe, as to making sure he earns enough money for him to survive, Logan that is, too. On top of all of that, you've got this new circumstance where now he's responsible for this little girl, And there's obviously like a deflection and lack of desire to help Laura to begin with. However, the more Logan learns of her in her circumstance and background, the more he realises that they both had the same life. The difference is, is that Laura was even younger when she was made into what she is now. And Charles sees all of this straight away and chooses to help, as he would with any mutant, given that he was a teacher and leader for the School of the Gifted. And so he pushes this onto Logan to realise he cannot abandon Laura, like Charles didn't with Logan. Whilst we're speaking of Xavier, just on the topic, Patrick Stewart in this film, man, man alive, a truly brilliant performance from a masterclass actor. It's sad to see this huge figure of the X-Men, who was a leader, you know, a teacher of the school, be so small and fragile. Like, we've spoken how this film, you know, is a swan song for, for Hugh Jackman, but this too was set to be the end of Patrick Stewart as well in this iconic role, obviously, until Kevin Feige threw more money at him, but that's a different story for another day. But in the film, you know, Xavier's telepathic abilities have become very unstable due to age. He's over 90 now, I believe he is. And in addition, the ability he possesses are also unstable due to an unknown brain disease that Charles has. This can be so unstable it causes him to erupt into uncontrollable seizures which affects everyone in that surrounding area. These seizures also led to the killing of everyone in Westchester. And Westchester, of course, is where Professor Xavier's School of the Gifted Youngsters is located. Like, this way of the damage of what he did comes and goes throughout the film. His child's memory is very touch and go. And within those pockets of remembrance, it's super emotional, the screen time that he has, you know, watching and hearing his character understand the damage that he has caused and the potential damage he still can cause. You know, all of that just comes through absolutely brilliantly within the performance from Patrick Stewart. And again, absolutely just stunning work from him. Just a remarkable actor, let's say, honestly. Again, in terms of comparing, like saying that Jackson 
is Wolverine and Logan. You can't deny that, obviously, still. Uh, James McAvoy, don't get me wrong, he gives a good run, but Patrick Stewart is always going to be Xavier, for me anyways. Now, regarding Xavier and the themes of Asian and loneliness, Mangle said that we've seen these characters in action, saving the universe, but what happens when you're in retirement and that career is over? He continued by saying this idea was a really interesting one for him, or a place to dig that hadn't been dug before. You know, was the idea of the mutants when they're no longer useful to the world, or even sure if they can do what they used to do. Their powers are diminished, like all ours are, by age. And our Charles is a very sweet character in this film. I think he's always been an incredibly sweet character. With the addition of his own physical fragility in this movie, he becomes an incredibly powerful paternal figure in this movie. And it's just dead on, like absolutely dead on with that performance. And Patrick Stewart really was excellent in this character for me. And I just thought it was it was such a fantastic angle for Mangold and, and the team to work with for the character in the film. Like it led to some, as I've already mentioned, some exceptionally emotional performances from Stewart and Jackman. And I also love the little outbursts in the film, you know, telling Logan to F off this and that, being stubborn, you know, just really acing again, bringing in a nice, excellent amount of comedy to the mix in this, like I said, bleak world and film. As previously mentioned, though, the film is set in 2099 and mutants are almost a thing of the past. There are a few still knocking about, but, you know, within this big bad world, but none in comparison to the X-Men films that we've seen before. In addition to the lack of mutants, Wolverine, as already said, is older and sicker. And I just loved this just grisly old Wolverine performance from Jackman. You know, he's healing his limiteds, he's slow, he's not as quick on his feet as he used to be, and he is relying on drinking to numb most of the pain, physically, mentally, all of that. You know, and all of this, including the lack of mutants now, gives us again, as I keep saying, that theme of vulnerability, especially to Wolverine. Yes, he is still the wise cracking arse that he can be when he wants to, but mainly I think he's just tired. Tired of people's shit, tired of the world, and tired of having to take care of himself and everyone close to him, obviously being Xavier as well. And and Caliban, which again, great, great role there for Stephen Merchant. I'll probably come back to Caliban in a little while. But back to Wolverine, you know, with all this kind of him being tired, this and that, like so much so, like first meeting Laura's mother or just you know rather she's just the scientist that worked in the lab where Laura was created like he's so dismissive to her he's again highly entertaining when he sees her and he's like he says like the f-bomb or whatever then just kind of like starts hustling away kind of thing and just saying get the f away from me this and that again great performance from Jackman in terms of being like I don't need this I don't want this this isn't what I wanted I just want to just live my life kind of thing so he's very dismissive with what she wants and even after Laura then turns up at the silo where he's keeping Xavier safe you know, he still wants no part in this. And all he wants is, as I say, that quiet life where he has, you know, going to get a boat for himself. He's going to buy the boat and him and Xavier are going to live at sea away from everything and everything, which can be seen as selfish of Logan to, you know, want to just run away and leave everything behind. But we have seen this trait of his, like we've seen this before. And it's almost, again, like harking back to that very first X-Men in, in that way. Like he was out for himself and no one else. And even though in the circumstances he's thinking, well, I'll get a boat and I'll go off with Xavier. It's not selfish to be taking him with him, but it's not what Xavier wants. You know what I mean? It's like, I know it's not exactly, he's still caring for Xavier, but that's not what Xavier wants. And this is, ex this is just solely what Logan wants for his, you know, for like said to live out the rest of his life. And I do, as I, I probably mentioned, I'll probably keep banging, but the arc of Logan's story throughout the film you know, I just absolutely adore it. I, it really does, you know, bring him back to who he was and what he stood for all the while, you know, while he was an X-Men. Even if the TV and comics have exaggerated what happened within the film, which I absolutely, again, 
I love that meta approach with including the X-Men comics, um, you know, some kind of like fantasy and made up nonsense that Logan just calls out when he sees Laura had been reading them, obviously thinking that's where she got all these crazy ideas of where this mutant haven is, this Eden is, this, that and the other. I thought all that was very, very well put together and well crafted. I absolutely adored that little touch. Um, but he's a still good. He's still a good person though, at the end of the day. That's, that's you know, I say he's just a good person that gets caught up in this young girl's journey and the path to freedom from the villains that created her, much like Logan's story and journey all of his life, you know? But that vulnerability never leaves Logan in the film. And again, honestly, the suspense and intensity at times, like whether it's conversation with Boyd Holbrook's obviously character, it's just, like I say, you just really am like, you clench like, all the way through revisiting this film. I, I remember, there were so many times I was like, you know, sitting back up in my chair because it was like so gripping, you know? Like, you see, this is why I think that this final story frame was so pleasing for me as a, as like a fan of the character in the films. Like I say, even though a lot of the X-Men Fox films are sadly, they've just they've obviously gone down the pan this and the other, but as I keep saying and praising, I can't take anything away from Jackman because he really did nail the character. You know, like I say, for me, I think that's why it is so pleasing. It's like it, it's just again that growth for his character, it's one last kind of hurrah. All his sin, all his life, his aura, how he feels is that everyone around him dies or gets hurt. And like we've seen this, I would say, on and off screen for the character. And what starts off as this story of him not wanting to be a part in Laura's safety, you know, he just wants to keep Charles safe, as I already mentioned, becomes him not wanting to, you know, let Laura be unsafe. No matter what he does, he always does the right thing. Even when the odds are against him and he's surrounded the side of the other or whatever, or the weight of the, the situation, he always ends up coming out on top and protecting the ones that he cares for. And I just think the development of the relationship with the characters is really true and organic, I say, between him and Laura. You know, like, I, I genuinely... It's, it's, it's almost like when, when you watch it, you kind of take two to realise that he's suddenly become the father figure, especially in that third act. It's not like anything, there's no like big moment. There's obviously moments between the two of them, but there's never anything like, you know, like really cheesy kind of staring into each other being like, you're my daughter now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's none of that. It just happens so organically. Like I say, you're almost like, you you, you just roll with it. So you forget, oh, I didn't realise that actually happened, you know? And it becomes like a case of Logan making sure that, Lo that Laura and her friends obviously are safe regardless of what happens to Logan, which again will come to obviously the uh, the end and such. And um, I mean, I spoke a lot about Laura, but it is seriously worth noting just how good a performance it is from Daphne Keane. You know, this was a first film role as well. Like I was looking through a, this filmography and I was like, oh great! I mean, what a what a debut! You know, she did an incredible job of portraying this like angry yet free spirit character. It's you know what I mean? Like she's just a kid at the end of the day. Like she manages to really capture. That, you know what I mean? Just a little kid who's got these powers, but again, at the same time, just wants to be a kid, you know? There's the, again, as I keep saying, there's vulnerability on that side of her as well, because she's, you know, she's seen hunted by the Reavers, you know, and at the front of that, obviously, is Boyd Holbrook, and we'll come to him in just a tick, but there's like this calmness and almost like ignorance of the danger that she's in at times. She's just like pulled from pillar to post by one surrogate parent to another. But I do love the shift once Laura unleashes her claws and just begins like hacking away at folk. They say the first Reaver attack, Gordon Bennett, like credit again back to Mangold for keeping the film so grounded and, and, and not getting caught up in those kind of moments, you know, making them big CGI moments as the film benefits 
so much from all of these great sequences between, especially like I say, Logan and Laura. You know, when when the first attacks go, this that, and the other, like when when Logan and Laura end up fighting together, it's not like a big deal. There's no like masses of explosion. It just feels really gritty, really raw, like really like up close as well, which I do like with certain, like I say, the framing and making Jackman really, really the center or Laura the center of that frame. Like I said, one of my favorites as well, in particular of you know these like driving sequences and such, is just the one shot where like Laura's looking out of the car window, like it's wound down and she's wearing her funky and cool sunglasses that she's obviously stolen from the uh, from the gas station that they're at or something like that. And uh, you have this battered and torn Logan resting in the driver's seat next to her. Like this image like is such a strong one for the film and pretty much sums it entirely up for me, you know, that image. But Daphne Keane, really great performance and really took what Jackman did with Wolverine and made it her own for that character for Laura. Really wonderful stuff. I've not actually seen anything in particular since... Logan for Daphne Keane, but I certainly will be keeping my eyes and ears out for any updates or any film releases or anything that I've missed because I thought I think I said she did a really great job in this film. Bringing X23, Laura, that is, into the frame just allowed audiences to understand, you know, that rage that we've seen with Logan in the X-Men films. You know, as I mentioned, the connection is there between the two characters, but I also think it works well for the future of the mutant. There's a lot of children who sadly have been created and tested on and made into mutants that now want to be free from the clutches of Richard E. Grant's, like, very evil Dr. Xander Rice. Now, Dr. Rice is pretty much like the William Stryker to Laura's character, you know, as 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 Stryker was to Wolverine. And so we're like straight up waiting for his demise. You know, as soon as you understand and know who this character is, you know, for the cruelty that he's bestowed on these children, we're just waiting for him to snuff it, or at least some very, very painful and slow death. There's these handheld grainy shots of inside the lab, which are really effective when Wolverine and, uh, and Charles are obviously, when Logan, I should say, are just sat watching, you know, this footage that Laura's, uh, you know, carer, whoever's the scientist from the lab had obviously filmed and brought, you know, snuck out of the sat and the other, you know, which shows all of these children going through these horrific tests, you know, and everything, you know, about these sequences, are, they're, they're, they're designed to shock, you know, and again, there's obviously some form of big social commentary on that front as well. But, you know, the, there's not just only that, but it's Dr. Rice's attitude towards them as well, you know, not seeing them as children and telling the staff as well just to feel the same. He is a monster that is creating an army that he cannot control at the end of the day. And it's just all for, for nothing, you know. We see this in films, you know, with these evil lab folk, you know, time and time again. However, the fact that I think he's doing it on children just makes him even more of like a horrible, horrible character that does need to be stopped. Like his father, I believe, was one of the scientists as well that created Logan. And so again, as we keep talking about the connection between Logan and then uh, Laura, it all, you know, the arc all comes full circle. Now I really do, as I've, I've banged on about enough, like really do enjoy that dynamic between Logan and Laura throughout the film. Like it, it really does carry, especially like I said, when it's just those two as well, it really, really does carry it. Like the little things, you know, telling her not to attack you know, the innocent guy who's working at the gas station or just arguing with her in the car once he realises that, that she can in fact talk after all this time. Like, I think it's, again, that, that like I've already said, that organic and very believable relationship and a beautiful father and daughter one, you know, once Logan does accept it. To have them share a heartbreaking but lovely moment between the two at the end, obviously, when Logan on death's door says, don't become what they made you. Something that he had to learn over time, that is just so effective 
works so well. And don't honestly get me started on her calling him daddy and, and as he slips away. That is so, he's so heartbreaking. He's like, hard not to have like a lump in your throat once he does inevitably pass. And it is like truly, truly fantastic to see like him sacrificed himself for the future of the mutants. Like for someone that didn't want to be what he is and, you know, searching for answers all his life, you know, passing the torch to the next generation is oh my goodness, so, so fitting and really, really moving. That final shot of the grave and obviously turning the cross to the X, oh my goodness, so powerful. You know, and I also think it was just a, a very clever move for the film, just in terms of villains, we should say. You know, Logan is the hero and the villain of this story, ironically. You know, as the film progresses, we see a kind family take Logan, Xavier and Laura in. And again, this whole moment, I was talking about earlier about these like pockets of just like, just breathing space. This is probably the nicest moment and the lightest part of the film. It has got some exceptionally lovely and touching moments, you know, like the kid sharing his, his iPod or whatever with Laura, this, that and the other, you know, Xavier saying it was the nicest evening that he had in a, in a long time. Only for all of this wonderful moment and this like kind of family coming together and all accepting one another and you know in this bleak world there's 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 still humanity there. It's all gone in absolute seconds when they're all butchered by another Logan or X twenty four as we should say. Like I, that is the most gut wrenching punch. It's unbelievable. You know this this clone of Logan which resembles the worst character of him. You know pretty much all animal that will stop at nothing. It's really really ace. And X twenty four represents the worst fears of Logan, which kind of harking on from what I've just said there, that, you know, Logan, the worst the worst fear for him is that he's a feral beast capable of nothing but hurting and killing people. You know, that is something that he has been fighting against for a vast majority of his life. And it's also can be a nod to his past life, you know, with Sabretooth. I, I don't want to get into all of that rabbit hole of timelines this time, they're even bringing up X-Men Origins. But you know what I mean? Like, it does hark back to that as well. It was just a nice twist that the film did throw at the audience that worked really well and again super effective as this after all it is Logan's story it's just really really clever um, I briefly mentioned about obviously Stephen Merchant as Caliban again he brings in some really nice light humour Stephen Merchant is a fantastic comedian and again really good on screen as well like I, I do like these kind of smaller roles that he gets to kind of just have a good balance of seriousness in tone but also being able to just allow that little Merchant humour to come out there and just his timing with his delivery I think when he when, when Logan like breaks his mug is that's my favourite mug that's whatever he says you know what I mean like and I think it's an interesting mutation that he has where obviously he's affected by sunlight which again like even when he you know sacrifices himself there's a lot of people sacrifice themselves in this film but when he does so obviously like Dr. Reich just sees his body on the table is like right test him we can see what we can get from him this that and the other really interesting like character whatever he says it's just that that is it in it Dr. Rice. he just has no remorse whatsoever just doesn't care what he's doing as long as he can achieve what he what he achieves but just back to Mer Stephen Merchant, really, really excellent. And, and, and great to see him in this film, if I'm being honest. I say really, really excellent to see him in, like, a, again, a really big blockbuster. We'll call it a blockbuster, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, Boyd Holbrook as well is in this film. And, you know, he's playing the character Pierce, who is part of the Reavers. This is, my probably say, one of the, my favourite roles of Boyd Holbrook. It, it, that and Narcos, as I was saying on the indie pod, the indie film, forget it. But this, like, I really like him in this film. He's working with Dr. Rice and the experiments of these children and making them into mutants. And he has this, like, constant stench on screen of someone that just does not care about what he's doing and just does it because he can, you know? I do like the robotic arm that he has as well, again, making him a little bit more menacing. It's like, we don't really, I don't think we learn about how that happened, this, that, and the other. I like the mystery surrounding that. But again, really like the overall look and the costume and the, the design for this character. And that intro as well, when he jumps into Logan's car, 
I think that is just, again, a very, very good back and forth between the two of them. And that, you know, line where he exclaims, as I live and breathe, the Wolverine, like this arrogance around him that he feels untouchable given the nature of what he does and who he exactly works for, you know? And I do think there's an appreciation and understanding of mutants from Pierce. But like anything, when it comes to people overusing their power, he doesn't see, like, the children as children, just like lab rats, you know? That's, again, the same can be said for Dr. Rice. They just do not see them as children. And ultimately, you know, Pierce is, that's Boyd, ultimately Boyd Holbrook's Pierce. He does pay the price with his life. And again, very good and slow one at that. Much deserved for the arse that he is. That said, if it wasn't for his great performance, you wouldn't dislike him as much as you do. And that is when you've got a good actor on your hands. So I'm always going to go back to these kind of roles for Boyd Holbrook. Because I say the, the Logan role, the Narcos role, that's, 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 top tier for me from him and there's some really really I mean talk about favourite moments I mean where do you even begin because there's so many so many great moments in this film and lots of fast paced action which are really really handled well no sloppy cuts or whatever in this film we have a like we have that brilliant opening that I absolutely adore. Like with the gang of thieves trying to steal Logan's limo's wheels, which then leads to a highly entertaining fight between the rugged old Logan to the point where his adamantium claws don't, you know, come out all of the way through his skin uh, to full length. Again, which highlights and demonstrates this isn't the same Logan that we're familiar with. And after that, we get some sh- just fantastic bloodbath. You know, I mean, I haven't really spoken much about the film being R-rated. Again, a huge plus for the nature of the film, you know, for the, yeah, for the nature of the film. As mentioned, it's dark in tone, and so it wouldn't work as well if the violence was softens. Like, I do really dig that in this moment, this opening sequence, we are straight into the bloody action at the start. Like, seeing limbs being hacked off by Logan, necks and heads being slashed and penetrated by his claws, just unleashing the animal within. This is the version of Logan that... He no longer wants to be, but when needs must, the animal comes out. And that opening, like I said, when a film has got a cracking opening sequence, you've you've got me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the rest of the film can can whatever you know, but opening sequences for me are like a big. Thing. It's like the indie film. Like I've mentioned it a couple of times, but the opening was great. The rest of the film, but there's other films that have again fantastic openings, and the film's fantastic all the way through, like this one. But I'm always I always appreciate just just how the film's gonna bring me in nicely. You know what I mean? I think that this this Logan does it. Absolutely perfectly. And I stress as well, I mentioned it earlier about the Logan Noir version. Do, do check it out if you haven't already. Because like this moment in particular, like all your favourite moments, they're just made even better. Like I don't know what it is to say the Noir aspect of it. I absolutely love it. I really do think it's very, very effective. Um, I'm also, in terms of favourite sequences, quite a big fan of the, the one in Vegas, I think it is, when the uh, when our heroes are taking refuge in one of the rooms. You know, the Reavers turn up, and then it causes another burst of energy from Xavier's seizure, causing everyone to be frozen, you know, clutching their heads, and Logan's pushing his way through the force of this energy to the room that Xavier's in. All the while, he is agonisingly and slowly slamming his claws into the, the Reavers as he passes. Like, again, speaking of intensity, this is it. It's purest form, really. It's, it's intense, but it's grisly at the same time, and I freaking love it. And finally, I, I know I've touched upon it already, but Logan's end was really satisfying, you know, in, in, in a heartbreaking sense, obviously. Like, it is sad to see him go. I was I was devastated that this was to be his last time. But you know what? You, you think, you're like, 17 years is a long time. I know he's going to be coming back, but you know, at the time, you're like, it's probably the right time for him to maybe think about doing different things, but... I just think, like you could say, it was handled all brilliantly. Like, it is sad to see him go. Like, the fight is now over for him, and he's saved 
the future of the mutants. You know, it's so touching for such an iconic character. And again, I don't think it would have been possible. I, I, it's one of those where with any kind of end, it almost seems like, can they stick the landing? Or no, nobody necessarily can stick that landing. But this, like Logan is such a rarity in that front to be able to, you think about the amount of films, obviously, that, that Hugh Jackman's, you know, Wolverine has been in, to bring all of that to a, a really lovely conclusion. Heartbreaking, bittersweet, we'll say, bittersweet conclusion. To do it as well as they did, I think, is just a really remarkable, you know, remarkable job. And hats off to him because it's just a really, really excellent film. And I am excited to see, you know, Jackman, you know, reprise Wolverine in, in Deadpool 3. I know it's going to be variants, this and variants, that, whatever. It is going to be great. Um, just as like a one-off little thing, you know, I, mean, I think I think it's going to be so, so fun. And we've seen set photos of him donning the iconic, you know, Wolverine suit. And again, like these are just things that we as fans have wanted to see. I just hope that they, you know, do do justice with Wolverine because he's had a bumpy ride with his solo films, but Logan for one is absolutely, um, yeah, absolute top tier in terms of uh, ranking wise. Really perfect ending, you know, for Hugh Jackman as I keep saying. But yeah, I um, yeah, he's always going to be Wolverine. He's, he's just the best to ever do it. You know what I mean? Like I I, I think that he's going to be a tough job for anyone coming in once they. I think that we'll welcome them with open arms, obviously, and be like looking forward to a new interpretation of the character. But um, oh man, Hugh Jackman's always going to be Wolverine. So like. I hope you've enjoyed this revisit. I hope you've enjoyed me waffling as long as I have done. But out of 10 for, for me with this film, I, I am. I think I'm going to give it like a real strong like 8.5. Um, I, I could be pushed to a 9. I, say. I wouldn't say... I, I'm very like... Um, when it comes to 10 out of 10s, I know I've given like... I think I've only given very few 10 out of 10 films. I know I gave Wick 4 10 out of 10. I stand by that. I guess the only other like uh, one that I think I gave was No Way Home. And that... that um, yeah, looking back, that probably wasn't necessarily a 10 out of 10, but for the nostalgia and for the hype, I think, yeah, fair play, we'll give it a 10. But, like, Logan Logan definitely is up there. Like, I, I could talk myself into saying, do you know what, Joe, it's a 10? Or I can, you know, I can kind of pick out a few of the, like, you know, moments or the beats where things were a little bit slow, which just drop it down to, like, an 8.59. So it's up there anyways, basically. I think it's fantastic. Um, really, really excellent film. And I loved revisiting this. Um, yeah, just rewatching, revisiting it. And I hope you enjoyed me listening to me waffle, as I say. If you've not caught Logan in a long time, I highly recommend you check it out. I'm hoping that if you haven't and you listen to this, I hope it spurred you to go check it out again because, um, oh man, it's so bloody good. Anyways, let me know your thoughts on Logan. Where does it rank in your X-Men films? Where does it rank in your Marvel films? Is that the other or comic book films in general? Would love to know your thoughts. What's your favourite Jackman role, whether that's Logan related or not? Just let me know. Hit the socials. Get, get in touch. Let's have a chat. But as I've speak, spoke about, but speaking of socials, don't forget to like and follow on there. Leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, please. That'd be great. But thank you so much, as always, for clicking on the podcast, for listening to me waffling. Until the next episode, take care.